to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with a nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the board game community show. Today, I, I have a couple of guests here, and we played a game that's coming to GameFound. So I'll introduce all that after I introduce people. But first, kind of co-hosting with me, I suppose, maybe. I don't know. Phil from Organized Fun. How you doing, hello. Phil? Am I? I didn't realize I was co-hosting. Yes, hello. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, you're not plugging anything here, right? You're just kind of no. hopping on to play the game with us. And I'm, I'm yeah. like your plus one. I'm your game yeah. date. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Should I take you to meet my parents? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> they won't get you drunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other two guests are from the Cardboard Revolution. Actually, this is kind of funny. Uh, uh, so Tim Lampasona, he's awesome. He was my very first guest on the podcast. So hi, Tim. Welcome back. Uh, uh, over it's so good. Later. It's so good to be back. I had so much fun doing the first one and uh, very, very happy to be back all this time. It's been so amazing watching this show grow and just like listening over time. It's been wonderful. I remember the first one. It was a lot of fun. You were easy to talk to. I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy to do this show forever. You know, people are awesome. But but like, it's also weird to go back and listen to that one because I've grown so much and the show's grown so much. A weird thing, though, is that you were first and then Phil was second. So I've got my first and Woo. second guests on here. Wow, that's wonderful. And yeah, that first episode was so funny listening. I listened to them all. But like, it's funny how unorganized and just like <laughs> rambling it was. It was just like, so what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> it was great. Oh, my gosh. We even recorded, I think, roughly around this time because your birthday's in April, right? It is. Yeah, in a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Like our birthdays are really close to each other. Yeah, so, like a few days apart. Yeah. Oh, my. That's funny. Very Anyways, weird. the other member <laughs> of the Board Game Revolution is Max Helmberger. Welcome, Max, for the first time. Hey, Riley. Great to uh, great to be here. Yeah. Sorry for that long introduction where you just had to, like, kind of be quiet while we all reminisce about the past. And <laughs> I mean, I, I have something to reminisce about, too, because, you know, when, uh, uh, oh, when God. Tim was... Um, <laughs> When, when no. Tim was talking to you in that first episode, he, uh, you know, made a, a, a set of scientific inaccuracy. And I've been... I made a uh, grievous error. Oh, in, <laughs> I've been making fun of him for it ever since. Literally since that day. Because I got the age of the Appalachian Mountain Range wrong, like by a huge order of magnitude. I And it was so wrong. And I didn't realize it until later. And then I was like... I, I need to just hide forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I literally wouldn't know the difference. So, do you remember what you said? I don't remember, but it was very off. <laughs> it was like I said, uh, I was off by like a magnitude of 10, I think. So, yeah, pretty wrong. Okay. Well, Max, what's the actual age? I don't remember now off the top no. of my head. <laughs> I think around 400 million. I was wrong. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping, you know, we could correct it right here, right now, you know, like bring out the truth. 480 million years. Old, oh, okay. According to, Pretty close. According to Wikipedia. Very nice. Yeah, and Wikipedia. Almost as long as Riley's last turn on that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was making mountains, okay? That, that he was. Riley did win. It's true. Yeah. True, yeah. I'm just jealous. I'm just bitter. Shoulder. Uh, you guys have a game coming to GameFound pretty soon here. Granted, you know, I said our birthdays are soon. We're recording this in April, but this probably won't come out until May, so a month later. Nevertheless, very exciting. What's the launch? You just told us that there's a new launch date, and I already forgot it. It's May something. May 23rd. May 23rd. Perfect. Yes. So when this comes out, if it comes out in May around this time, people have like a week to follow, basically, which will be nice. But again, we don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not even sure when this will come out exactly. I it's still totally haven't even fine. recorded episode 100 when we're recording this. So you, you will want to make sure that uh, uh, people have time to time to follow because there's a there's a great little follower gift. Oh yeah, I think this will come out after episode 100, which I'm hoping will. From the time this is recording, everybody's listening is like, oh, this is getting very timey-wimey here. I, I'm hoping to record it either this weekend or early next week. So Nice. Just, Everyone's getting a yeah. peek inside the Willy Wonka factory of podcasting right now. I know. <laughs> <This is> the, <laughs> secret, the secret sauce, baby. Wait, yeah. what's the follower gift? What's the little gift? Um, It might make more sense if we playing the game first ah, spoil sport <laughs> okay yeah 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 so the on, game man. is loam why don't you go ahead and explain loam yeah so loam is a, a cute little set matching game all about soil biodiversity so soils if you don't know are one of the most like biodiverse parts of any any terrestrial environment on earth like there are you know thousands and thousands of species of you know bacteria fungi insects and other uh, other arthropods and invertebrates that live um, live in soil, and they're all uh, they're all very important um, for keeping uh, keeping ecosystems functioning. Uh, the idea of loam is that uh, is that you you are playing as as a plant. We tend to think of plants as like you know just kind of you know growing there in the soil, not really uh, not really doing much, but uh, they actually have a huge amount of control over uh, uh over the soil around their uh, their roots in the uh, the so-called root zone they can sculpt the uh, the the soil community to their benefit they can sort of rec- um recruit organisms that are beneficial to them and sort of drive away ones that they uh, that they don't like and so the idea of loam is that you're uh, you're 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 recruiting creatures from this sort of ever shifting central central market uh, the soil Come into your root zone, um, increase your soil's uh, structure, nutrients, and food web, and form uh, diverse communities that will get you uh, get you the high score. I was really surprised here. I mean, you were talking about like you know set collection, and set collection to me is usually a, like a I don't know. It's not that interesting a lot of the times for me. I don't know, but this I really really enjoyed because I didn't feel like I was just trying to collect certain colors or numbers of things, right? Like it, it felt very exciting to me. I think the one thing that Loam does very well, uh, and I tend to like set collection games, but I think that the one thing toot my own horn, because I'm one of the designers, but uh, one thing I like that I think that Loam does very well is that it gives you constantly changing pool of stuff to pull from. And you have a lot of different avenues you can take in a turn for scoring points. Uh, so oftentimes in some set collection games, it's like you look at the board and it's like there is an objectively correct thing I should get right now. It's obvious what I should be doing. And like it feels like it's playing itself kind of. And I think Loam avoids that because there are so many possibilities that uh, you could try and just see what happens. Exactly. I think that's what was interesting to me, because in the game you have got, OK, oh, boy, let's see if I can go over the different areas, the different zones that we've got. So you're player board is your root zone that's what you're working with beautiful love it and then there's the soil and that's where you can take some it's kind of a community pool of organisms that you can take and put into your root zone uh, you also have a hand of cards right and mm-hmm. yeah the soil is basically a big central hand but you also yeah. can uh, uh can accumulate um creatures into your own hand yeah exactly and then there's the uh, what was the the behaviors? There's like these the behaviors over on the side there, and those ones are like if you play two things combined. So if you play one thing like a green, oh boy, I should have looked at the <laughs> actual like thematic. You know, what? here I'll I'll pull one up right now while we're talking because I do have it pulled here. Amazing, yes, we're learning science, folks. We're learning science, yeah, and each color is specifically tied to like a a type of microbe or a a microorganism right so yeah microbes or animals animals Um, yeah because some of these you can actually see just with your plain eye oh yeah it ranges from like stuff as big as you know worms and bees all the way down to single-celled fungi and bacteria and stuff so it's a huge diversity of different kinds of creatures and the art style is very 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 nice the one little thing about the art is that, uh, well, 
I guess some, someone else can explain the uh, what the hook of the art is, I think. You know, you're so modest, Max. I'll do it. So Max and I are both uh, educators. We both teach courses in biology at different different colleges, unfortunately. It'd be nice if we worked together. But uh, we both are biology professors. And uh, Max makes these absolutely wonderful uh, stop motion animation videos, like claymation videos, explaining the ecology and behavior of different uh, organisms, mostly soil organisms. And uh, as we were designing the game, they were almost like placeholder art being used. Like, I already have these clay critters. Let's just throw them in there as the art. And eventually we realized this is way cooler than anything else we could possibly do. (laughs) So uh, Max put together these absolutely amazing looking little clay dioramas for each card basically so they're like photographs of these um adorable little clay critters sculptures yeah and they're just wonderful um yeah so it's a unique sculpture for basically every card in the game it's really cool it's beautiful it looks like an animated show that i would want to watch there is on the game found page you can see like uh some of that stop motion animation i think in there right like on is it going to be in the main video is there a main video? There's a little sizzle reel right now. I'm going to try to splice some in. But uh, under there's a section where we all have our bios, all the main designers of this. And uh, under Max's, I, I put my favorite video uh, that he put together. Yeah, I watched that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is so great. And Max's voice, I think, over it. You were right, you were speaking mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, it, it felt so like... Uh, I don't know, like PBS almost. Like I <laughs> felt like I was watching like something professionally done. It was, it was great. Aces, dude. little nature documentaries. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what was I? I was saying about the um, behaviors. Oh, what do you call them again? Behaviors. Yeah, yeah. So there's six different types of cards in there, right? So you've got pink is small predators. Orange are eco uh, ecosystem engineers. The blue teal. Uh, what color is Whatever. that? My brain's. Yeah, whatever it is, bluish color, animal decomposers, and then red are large predators, green plant mutalists, and then purple are microbial decomposers. And so you're playing those into your your root zone. And then if you if you have like a uh, let's say a large predator down in your root zone, and then you play a small predator, so you've got that red and then pink. And one of the three behaviors available is messy consumption. Then you automatically gain that card to your hand and you can hold on to it or use it later. I thought that was really clever. And that to me, like, gave it was almost like set collection and set collection and set, you know, like there was multiple layers to that set collection of like, yeah, I could be going for points, but I could also be going for these little helpful cards. Like, even if it hurts my points for that community that I'm building. It gives me something that could potentially build my my root zone better later. So I fa- I that was my strategy, like just get as many of those behaviors as I can get because I thought they were all really entertaining. And it paid off for you because you did win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did, yeah, yeah, that final turn. And because of that, you had such a, a chain, didn't you? Like, all right, I'm going to play that, and that gets me that behavior. And by playing that, I can do this and do this, and that gets me another behavior. It was this. Epic, eighty-four-year-long turn. <laughs> yeah, I felt so guilty. It was honestly fun <laughs> to watch the gears turn, though, because like I was observing, um, and just I was observing the turn from afar, and just like watching it all come together was delightful. Seeing all the all those pieces slot into place, and like your communities just exploded in that one turn. It was very cool. It was satisfying for me. I was gonna say, as the designers watching us two noobs play. Were there any movie where you think like, oh yeah, that's a good play, or were you like, oh my god, I wouldn't do it that way? What is he playing at? <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm awful at loam. Uh, I'm so bad at every game that I design. I, I always warn playtesters like, you're going to beat me. That's fine. Don't be alarmed. I am horrible at all games I design. I don't know why. So I'll, Max is actually good at loam, so he could answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, Riley, I did, I did, I did see a uh, uh, a way that you could have achieved perfect balance um, on your soil. Um, though, though, actually, I'm not sure if that would have resulted in more uh, more points, because uh, even though you didn't get uh, perfect balance, you did add a lot of creatures to your to your root zone in that sort of final um, final push. Oh yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, I could get perfect balance right here. 
And then I was like, but then I have, I think I had three behaviors at that time or four behavior mm-hmm. cards to use. And I was like, <laughs> I'm using these behavior yeah. cards. Like I can, I can make up those points somewhere else. I yeah. guarantee it. You yeah. Know, and like, one of the, <laughs> one, one, one of the uh, traps, you know, you do sometimes fall into is like, you get a bunch of behaviors and then like, you can't really use them or, or, so, uh, or take advantage of them properly. The, the sort of idea, the, the design goal behind the behaviors was like to give give players like short term goals um, for like which creatures they place rather than just like the, the end game scoring goals. And, uh, and I, and I think they, and I think they succeed at that. Oh, very. Yeah. That's why I loved them so much is because it was like, it gave me something to shoot for while I was going rather than just being like, okay, well I'm just going to keep building like small communities where I can, you know, build out pairs or like a, a diverse community. Yeah, and maybe I don't get any level threes, but that's okay because I could just build out the other way. You know, like I, it, to me, it gave me a different direction. If that wasn't there, I would have taken a completely different strategy. And when Phil on his first turn, I was like, "Oh, buddy, you're you're like you're uh, you're so set up for like two of those behaviors." And he just was like, "No, nope, I'm just doing this over here. Like I'm going for this level two thing and this level." I was know, like, purely picking the creatures based on how cute they looked. <laughs> 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 I was gonna say we've talked about this before, Phil and I. He's he goes for uh like when he chooses a character in a video in a board game, if it's like uh what do you call it? Um asymmetrical, he does not look at the abilities. He's like, who's the most who's the sexiest that I can <laughs> like so immediately when Phil started playing those things, uh, I was like yeah, Phil's just playing this aesthetically. <laughs> I need to point out that uh, a person playing purely based on aesthetics still beat me. Um, so that's <laughs> well, and also with Phil doing that, like he, because uh, you play different communities, right? So like you, you'll have a community at the end of seven cards if you build it to its full potential. Yes, but you can start building other communities before it reaches seven. But I knew that Phil would not do that because <laughs> Phil is like a completionist of like, all right, I have to do this whole row and then I'll start on the next row. Right. Am I right? You Phil? are absolutely correct. So, yeah, I was, and I was doing it very, I was like level one, level one, level two, level one, level one, level two, level three, boom, done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that brings up another awesome part of the set collection is that there's three different levels of cards, right? So in order to play a level two, you have to have two previously played level one cards. But then you can't play another level two until you play another level two level one cards. And then after you have six cards, you can play a level three. Can can you actually cap off a, lo- a six, uh, like the six cards? Can you do the seventh card as any card? As or a level one level or a level two if there aren't already two in there. It doesn't have yeah. to be a level oh, two. You okay. have lots of freedom. Um, you you could do all you could do a whole community just seven level ones if you really really want to, um, for whatever okay. reason. Yeah, you don't have to end with with a level three, but it's usually a, a powerful you know creature. So it's like something you want to do typically. But you might have be, you might have a weird strategy. Who knows? I loved it. Like to me, that was so clever. And on top of that, too, we've talked sort of about balancing your soil. There's these three categories: structure, nutrients, food web, and on each of these creature cards there's one of those three things well multiple really you know at least two things some of them are going to be the same some are mixed so you might have like food web and nutrients and so then you raise those per icon on there and you want them to be as balanced as possible just like in a real soil condition is you you want it you want balance in your soil Mm -hmm. to grow healthy roots and grow healthy plants and make sure it's diverse and yeah so this definitely captures my intrigue and love in a way that I don't think any other set collection game really does for me. But that's what I wanted to point out because, right, you three are all soily people. I am not at all. But the game still worked for me because it had the cute artwork. It was a simple enough mechanic. Like, you don't have to care about soil. You don't have to know what a tardigrade is because it looks so cute. It doesn't matter what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's the genius of the art, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. And on here, first of all, if you get a chance to play with Max and Tim, totally do it because we would you will easily beat tim it's an easy win (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you're 
if your e- if your ego needs a boost, play with me, and you will feel great. <laughs> Just don't go against Max. So <laughs> that actually is a funny thing. We are going to during the campaign. Um, once we launch, at least once a week. I'm going to just be hosting an open Discord night. So come in. I'll show you how to play. The game is going to be free on screentop.gg forever um, so that like educators can use it. And also just whoever wants to play it can play it online. Um, but either Max or myself or our other co-designer, Jane, will be happy to uh, teach you how to play throughout the campaign. Yeah. What I was going to say with all that, though, is that you guys would stop and teach us, too. Like, I know certain things about bacteria and like fungi and whatnot in the soil you know like we were talking about mycorrhiza and i was like oh yeah i like mycorrhiza because it does this this and this expands you know like we were going over all that scientific stuff uh and then i was like oh yeah we use a lot of bacillus because that helps break down like organic matter and so on farms that's important because it makes more room for well we didn't get into all that yeah like start creating some rich loam soil you know or like uh just gets beautiful anyways uh (laughs) but you guys would like stop and teach us about things Uh, all of a sudden a card would come out into the soil and uh well literally i could probably do this right now and be like oh look at this oh i don't even know how to say this shoot why did i choose this one i (laughs) japigid japigid diplurin diplurin Thank you. Yeah, so diplurins, they're these uh, six-legged arthropods. Um, they're not insects. Uh, they're like one once removed from the, uh, from the insects, basically, even though they have six legs. Uh, they live in, in soil and leaf litter. And uh, this particular group of them, the, uh, the gepidgids, are uh, primarily predators. They have these, they have these long, slender bodies. Um, and on the, uh, on the tip of their abdomen, they have these, basically have like a little pincer. Um, that they can actually use to grab um, their prey. Yeah, the 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 Japigid diplurin is it's an or, it's an organism I I have like kind of a, a weird a, a weird history with. Um, when I was in uh, graduate school, I was working on this like um, sort of like hand, handbook of all different soil animals, and I really wanted to find a Japigid diplurin to get a photo of it for my uh, for my guidebook. There's this other group of uh, diplurins called uh, the Campidaeids, um, which uh, and there is a Campidaeid diplurin in in Loam, and those those like were everywhere. I was fi- finding them all over the place. I had I had some nice pictures, but I could not find a Japigid. Um, I would go out and get you know. Like rich leaf litter from uh, from forest floors, try to you know, and then and then uh, extract uh, extract out all the the fauna with this uh, apparatus called a Tolgren funnel. Um, I can explain that later if uh, if we need to. Never found a, a, a Japigid. The first Japigid I ever saw was from a basically like a thimbleful, uh, it's like a thimbleful sized um, soil sample that I took from a sidewalk crack. <laughs> In uh, East Lansing, Michigan, oh, on, wow. on the campus of uh, Michigan State, which is where I got my PhD. How many pounds of like soil in like this supposed correct ecosystem do you think you had to go through to find it in this <laughs> in a sidewalk crack? Eventually, I mean, it was mostly leaf litter, so it's not that. Uh, not okay, that there heavy, you go. But uh, so amazing. Like, probably like a grocery bag full of leaf That's litter. That's so funny. Um, and then, yeah, in, in like a thimble full of soil from a, a sidewalk crack, there's a, f- a flipping Japigid. <laughs> so what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I looked up actual pictures of them because Phil and I, I think we were talking about how like some of these things might be a little bit triggering maybe for some people. Oh, yeah, I bet like actual microscope close-ups. I bet they look scary as hell. Yeah, I looked up this one and... The Japigid is like kind of freaky looking a little bit, but it's it also is. kind of pretty. The body of it is almost like clear looking. It it does have a prettiness to it. But yeah. then there's the Diplura and it's like beautiful. This it's a beautiful bug. They're both beautiful, but pincers are weird. Oh, the thing about these, uh the thing about these non these non-insect hexapods is like the reason they aren't considered uh, uh insects is because they have um they have no external mouth parts. Mm-hmm. Oh, and considering the mouth parts is you know usually one of the main things that uh, uh, looks scary on an insect, um, I think it does kind of help with their appeal. They're kind of adorable. Yeah. Well, on this one, I think it's cute. Except until you get to the pincer. Like if I covered up the pincer part at the end, I'd be like, oh, that's like a really pretty bug. But then all of a sudden, there's a pincer, and I'm just like, okay, well, that thing would mess me up. I guess wouldn't want to meet that in the back alley. 
Yeah. And then so the, uh, and so the other group of diplurans I mentioned, the uh, Campodeids, they don't have the pincer. They just have like these, um, like long filaments at the end of their abdomen. Yeah. Like, and those are like pretty. Those mm-hmm. like look pretty. Anyway, that we're getting off on a side thing. Well, the, it's funny you mention it because we, I, it's just today I played this game with, um, a fellow co op member, uh, Mark, Mark Gottlieb, and, uh, he's terrified of insects like hates them and he always like makes jokes about how like why is our first game the bug game what are you doing but he still he still loves the art like it's cute enough to avoid to get just beyond the uh the insect phobia <laughs> so happy yeah, to see I, it. exactly like i'm looking at these and they do not give me the creepy crawlies it gives me like joy just looking at the animation like i want to see them moving around animated like this uh, I do not necessarily want to look up all of them because I will have nightmares for sure. But <laughs> but it, it's just cool. Like the art on it is so well done. If you're worried about like, oh, I don't like insects. They freak me out. These probably won't. I'm, I'm not going to guarantee they won't, but they're cute. So give it a try. <laughs> right, Phil? Right? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I was going to say, Max and I are the worst judges of this because we're both entomologists, so our brains have been completely melted, um, and we are totally unaware of what normal people uh, think is cute anymore. It's, it's been absolutely vaporized, that part of my brain. <laughs> like, look at that cute little bug. Oh, no. What's wrong with its body? It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely do that all the time. It's like, this thing's great. Look at this thing. It's great. It's like a horrifying, to a normal person, just like a horrifying looking uh, beetle. I just love them. I can't help it. It's so cute how it burrows into another creature's skull and, and eats it from the inside out. But that's the thing uh, as well. Because like each card, not only having the cute little picture, but it has a little description of what the creature does. And there was one, what it has a, spear on its head so it can just stab other things i'm like yeah cool you rock on mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm trying I, I have it pulled up and i think talking about the uh, dorilaimid nematode yeah it was one of the nematodes it was definitely yeah that one right yeah there mm-hmm. it is so yeah they're brutal yeah one of the main families of uh, of predatory nematodes nematodes that eat other nematodes as opposed to like bacteria fungus or that feed on plant plant roots so like on this one right it, it says small predator doralimid nematode uh and then the description of it says large nematodes with needle-like mouth parts made for spearing prey and it's all of them every single card has that education i love how you changed your voice to read that bit right oh yeah <laughs> that was Makes your documentary um, mode exactly <laughs> yeah your Attenborough um, yeah. uh, channeling. <laughs> I was doing my best, you know, but <laughs> I love every single, I don't think there was a single card that I was like, well, that's boring. Every one of them is beautiful, a chance to learn. And it's one of those things too, where like, you know, in Wingspan, it has all of the stats of different things. It has information about them. It's just flavor text type of stuff. Doesn't necessarily play a part in the game, but you can read it if you want and you can learn a little bit. Uh, or you can just play it and look at the numbers, pictures, you know, stats, symbols, colors, all that stuff, and and you can ignore it. But honestly, yeah, yeah, technically the uh, like the leftmost centimeter of e- of each card is the only uh, is the only game information you really need. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, and then the rest of it is just uh, uh, nice art and some fun facts. Well, that that layout was very intentional, so you could. You could stack them nicely into those communities and cover up most of the card, but get every single piece of information you need without having to worry about moving things around. Yeah, there's a there's a long evolution of the uh, uh, of the of the creature card UX from um, you know the awful uh, prototype to uh, um, what we have now. <laughs> I think that Max posted the I think you posted the prototype like the first ever prototype. And a big Twitter post you did, like talking about loam, and yeah. it's it's shocking how much better, <laughs> how much better the uh, the graphic design is. Yeah, the uh, uh, yeah the very first prototype of uh, of loam, of course, you know pre predates um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the clay art. And I was just using uh, uh, random pictures from the internet of uh, of the of these organisms. I actually first designed this game as a uh, uh, as a class project um, while I was getting my PhD in entomology at Michigan State. I pursued they have like a, a graduate uh, like specialization in uh, um, educational game design, so I, I did that as well while I was there. That's awesome. 
Max is the only one of us who has any formal game design education. And, and yet the, uh, the, the weird, like, I guess my like confession to make as a, as a board game designer is that like, I don't play a lot of board games <laughs> compared to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. We're all much more like, we're all much more like addicted to, to buying and playing games uh, than Max's. Max is yeah, like, like, his, like, his mind you, is pure. You name, you name a game that's not like Monopoly or Catan and I probably haven't played it. Um, I'm, we have to force him I'm, to play stuff all the time. Uh, <laughs> or like, I'm a teacher at heart. You know, I got into game design as like an educational tool and it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse when it comes to design. Uh, well, the nice thing is it's, I feel like it's very easy for you to come up with ideas that no one has ever thought of before because your brain isn't as poisoned as the rest of us with all the, you know, the hundreds of games that we've played that are like constantly infecting my thoughts. Mm-hmm. But of course I never, when I come up with one of those ideas, I never know if it's new. <laughs> that's what we're here for yeah this is the power of the cooperative because there's like nine of us so somebody could be like somebody tried that and it's terrible we don't need to <laughs> worry about it yeah it also means sometimes i just uh, uh i try to come up with something and i just badly reinvent the wheel yeah it's a hexagon now yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me of uh like the first time i played Catan. my mom had actually she uh, she'd bought it i was pretty little at the time she was like trying to sell my dad on uh, uh, playing it with us. And uh, she's like, yeah, it's this board game from Germany. It's uh, very popular in certain circles. And my dad is like, don't you mean in certain hexagons? <laughs> That's the worst dad joke I've heard. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I want to use that more <laughs> for board game related. Yeah, like, oh, I love this. You know, I love our little board game hexagons. <laughs> Just a hexagon of friends here. <laughs> oh God, no! Oh no! Yeah, that's what the plural of uh, board gamers is. You know, a group of board games is a hexagon. It's yeah. like a herd. Yeah, oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I like it actually. You know what? I changed my mind. I think it's good now. Yeah. See, you come around. It it fits. <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, yeah. I I don't know that we've explained this game super well or anything other than just like the passion of how fun it is. Like in there, right? Like on your turn, you're you start off and you only have three cards. You call them inputs, right? That mm-hmm. yeah. So the the idea is that uh, uh, they're different like chemicals that plants um, secrete from their roots to alter the soil community. The the three uh, the three inputs. Um, one of them is called a uh, uh, rich exudates, and so one of the things that uh, um, plants do um, with the chemicals they uh, uh, they secrete is literally just to like feed things. Um, they'll just like uh, secrete like sugars um, into the soil that like microbes and even some small animals can uh, uh, can just eat. And so that one that one's sort of like the most powerful um this like raw creature placement um input it lets you place uh, on its on its basic unupgraded side um uh, maybe more on that later um it it lets you place two creatures at once um either from your hand or from the or from the soil that sort of central um pool the other input is uh, uh, attractive volatiles and so plants can also uh, they can also exude like uh, gases and volatile chemicals that uh, can diffuse sometimes fairly long distances through the uh, uh, through the soil through like the, the little tiny air filled pore spaces in the soil and uh, those volatiles can uh, can attract things from from farther away and there's actually um, there's a lot of research into how some plants like um, if a herbivorous insect comes along and like starts chewing on their roots starts eating them they can uh, they can release volatiles that will attract like natural enemies of that uh, uh, of that insect. Yeah, like predators. Mm, less predators and more um, parasitic worms that uh, uh, that co- that come in, invade the insect's body, vomit up these like lethal pathogenic bacteria, and then like feed off the proliferating bacteria inside the corpse of the uh, of the insect. <laughs> this game is super family friendly, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it shockingly is, despite all that. Yeah, the cool thing about uh, about inputs from the gameplay perspective is they're basically like your actions. You get three. Two of them have two possibilities you can do. One of them just does the one thing. But like you have to use all three in a turn. So your turn is basically entirely designed around how do I maximize my returns for this very, very small pool of actions that I'm allowed to do? And you have in front of you all these different creatures 
these three actions, some behaviors, and then you just go. And you're trying to build up, you're trying to build as effectively as you can with a very limited pool of stuff. Um, and it makes you think really critically about like what kind of communities do I want to build? How many do I want to start? Uh, things like that. And there's enough sort of alternative options that you really are thinking in a turn and there's never like an objectively correct play usually, uh, which is something that I think is really fun and something we didn't want to see. Like we added the behaviors partially because we didn't want there to always be the one obviously correct move to make. And behaviors get let you do like extra cool, weird actions and you have to earn them by placing certain creature combos. So if you're like, well, okay, it's a little worse for me to points wise, but I get to do this really awesome thing next turn. Like people will try it. Uh, and it's really fun to see that. Yeah. Obviously, I was addicted to that. Like that was my <laughs> whole goal in the game. <laughs> so, and then I, yeah, I don't, the last card was right, Antibiosis. So the input. So you have those three. It was so interesting because the first turn, right? Like each of us maybe took mm, two minutes, maybe, right? Like two, three minutes playing our turn. Like that was it super fast next round all of a sudden it was like okay now there's a little bit more going on here and it started taking like a little bit longer because we were like getting into the swing of things and understanding what we were doing and going for those behaviors and then turns started getting longer i mean overall the game took us a little under an hour to play granted i was having a lot of analysis paralysis i mean that's fairly normal for me and i think it'll play even faster there were a lot of times where you know we're doing a digital we're on screen top uh, gg and i would move my token to say like oh, okay i'm going to increase my food web and then all of a sudden uh i i don't know if that was right i i and multiple times i moved it one too far or not enough you know like my brain just couldn't quite get it or my mouse would drop it on the one to the right of it where i thought i was putting it but super easy to count up yeah digital digital play testing always has its yeah, little hiccups. So, uh, Tim, um, you've done a lot of uh, in-person um, playtesting of Loam. I have. I bring it everywhere I go. Um, I've played it with a bunch of my students and uh, a bunch of other people, and it it is hilariously fast in real life. Um, although, actually, we taught you and played in about an hour, which is pretty yeah. cool. There were three players. Teach plus play was about an hour. It's uh, honestly, it's probably half that in physical format because things just are it's easier to see stuff in front of you than trying to do it on the screen. To be yeah. honest, it's, it's easier to read things. So it does play faster in real life, but even with those, um, those setbacks, it still was not, it's not a very long game. And it also can be played solo. You can play the exact same game, but by yourself and you have, uh, different sort of thresholds to hit. Like if you go underneath a certain amount, you're like, your soil is, you know, terrible. It's like a middle ground. And then like a really, you know, strong soil if you get really high. And Max has put some a lot of really cool work into uh, designing interesting solo scenarios that can like change the rules actually when you play by yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah as, a, as a as a way to get a little more a uh, little more a so, little more replay value out of the uh, uh, the solo game. So um, the solo scenario is basically like there's just there's something that happens each turn, um, either like an event or put some kind of restriction on the uh, on what you can do um, that turn. Um, and then they all represent different kinds of like, uh, natural or sometimes unnatural, uh, events and disturbances that, you know, can happen to a plant out there in a, a real soil. So like, a like a drought or like dealing with an, uh, with an invasive species. Invasive species is my absolute favorite. You get a random, uh, creature that shows up in your soil and it subtracts its stats from your soil stats because it's like, uh, not supposed to be there, you know? That's cool. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah, some of these when I was looking at, right, because I'm I'm always looking at it from the farm or uh, farm aspect of it. And I was like, oh, nematodes, like, oh, those are bad, like, <laughs> very bad. We don't want those in our farms, right? A lot of yeah, the, the plant parasitic ones. Yeah, those are yeah. Uh, uh, those are bad. But, but yeah, most most nematodes are 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 pretty benign. They're just, uh, you know, eating, eating bacteria, eating fungus, eating each other, occasionally parasitizing insects in uh, an incredibly gruesome way. So I just thought that was cool. Like I'm, I learned a lot even just from this play on um, seeing things in the soil and recognizing certain things. But again, you don't have to be nerdy like that. And I thought the end scoring was really nice too. Uh, is this how the game is going to be laid out? I mean, there's all these, there's a couple of like boards like this. So you have like your player board. That's the root zone. Do you have that soil mat? Is that something in it? 
No, that's just for the screen top, uh, screen okay. top mod. What about the point tracker and the uh, yep, other thing? Is that a, part of it? Yeah, that that's a physical component. It's a double sided card that uh, uh, on the one side is just like rules reminders for as you're as you're playing, and then on the back side is how you score. Probably want to look at the back side a bit before uh, before playing, but. Yeah, definitely. And since we had three, we had one out, and I could just look at that one while we were going. Yeah, yeah it'll be in the rulebook too, but you can always like flip between the two just to remind yourself. Because the, the thing about the game is it's really not complicated, but it's got a lot of keywords. So we decided that we every player gets a little reminder card to tell you what all the keywords mean. And once you know the keywords, every card is just very logical. I mean, there's only five keywords. It's not too hard, but you know, it. Anytime you're learning keywords, it's always like, mm-hmm. okay, which, what does that mean again exactly? You know? Yeah, we're trying to like reduce the friction basically. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I would add to what, uh, what Tim said is like, yeah, like the, the rules of Loam are not that, uh, uh, that complicated, but like when teaching it, you kind of have to learn uh, everything at once. It, it's not like one of those games where it's like, it's like, oh, and you know, once, once we reach, uh, uh, once we reach this phase of the game, then I'll explain how this other thing works. Yeah. You know, it, it just kind of has to all be front loaded. Yeah. Which was, I mean, again, it took like five minutes to teach, maybe less than that. I don't know. That's true. It was really fast. I guess I'm getting okay at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could have just taught it on here and we probably could have saved like 15 minutes of me like rambling through certain aspects of it, but that's fine. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. Everybody, you could just, the rules are available for free. It's fine. We're all talking about yeah. vibes here. This is yeah, the vibe, exactly. the vibe cast. Yeah, I I mean we're nearing the end here, but scoring right that at the end you've got different communities, so you can have multiple rows and you score per community. So depending on the diversity of your community, if you have one of each, so one of uh, each of the six creature types, then you get a bonus two points, but you get one point per creature type in there. So like some of mine only scored you know five points, and some scored. I, my highest one I had was eight. And then if you have, there's different levels. So there's like a level one, level two, level three. If you have of each type of each type. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a level one and a level two, then you get an, an additional point for that. If you have all three levels in one community, then you get five points. Mm-hmm. All three levels of the same type. Yeah. Of the same type. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. Big bonus. And then one of the other things that I really loved, uh, and this was like this Gave me so much anxiety, but in a really fun way of <laughs> trying to balance my soil. We've been talking about that. You have this board. It's numbered one through 20. You're moving these trackers as you're placing cards. But at the end of the game, you get points based on how far apart they are. So if all three of these are perfectly aligned, if all of, you don't even have to be that high, right? Like you could, you could theoretically just have them all be at level three. And you're going to score 10 points at that. You're not going to have a great... Well, you wouldn't be able to do that because you have to play other cards and whatnot. But anyway, you know, it doesn't matter what the number is. Like, I was ending up near... I had one of my things at 20 and my lowest was at 17. And so I scored, what, uh, four points because of that. If I had gotten one a little bit closer, I would have gotten six points instead. If I got them all identical, I get 10 points. So I just thought that was really cool. And also, when you hit level eight, we sort of briefly mentioned that. Yeah, when you when you hit when you hit eight of a given uh, uh, a given stat, there's an associated one of your inputs that uh, that upgrades. You just flip over the card in your hand, and suddenly it's more powerful. Yeah, exactly. So you talked about rich exudits. So the, the regular side is place two creatures. The plus side of it is draw one, then place three creatures. Yeah. So it's significantly more powerful. But do you want to? You could make your uh, soil pretty imbalanced at first, just to get those abilities. Yeah, if you if you if you were trying to if you're trying to rush to upgrade uh, one of your inputs like as early as possible, like on the first turn, you know you would you would run the risk of uh, uh, ending up with an unbalanced soil um, at the end of the game. So that's another sort of like short term incentive thing. Yeah, exactly. To kind of clash with the uh, the long term goal, and it pays off sometimes. Occasionally, you can you can do that, and then using that extra powerful card, you can get your balance back up again. But it is risky to to try to try to do that. Some people try to play it where they try to ba- they try to end every turn balanced as, or as close to balanced as possible. Uh, some like me 
try to just uh, get one ahead and get an upgrade, and it failed miserably today. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, word here being try. I tried. It failed horribly. But that's something that's good about it is you have a lot of options, and occasionally they pay off really well if you play well. Well, I mean, of course, it's all just randomized what's coming out into the soil and what you're drawing. There were times where I was just like, I just need a level two. I just want a level two. Like, And I could not, for the life of me, get a level two. I think in my entire root zone, all of them, I think I only had one level two in the entire thing. Yeah, I only got one level two. That's shocking. Yeah, it, it was because like... Still one, though. I still won. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, even the, with bad luck of not being able to get twos, uh, I still was able to build it up and get just slaughter these fools. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> True, though. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's... I'm laughing to keep from crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for people to be able to back it. Are there any like game found exclusives that you'll have? Yeah. So we alluded to that follower gift early on. And, oh, right. Uh, yes. I should probably explain it before my uh, laptop battery dies. Um, at seven, seven 7% right now. Hopefully I got a little bit left. Yeah. So the, the, fo- the, the follower gift. So which, um, if anyone's not familiar, familiar with like how game found works, um, before a campaign officially launches, you can like sign up to follow it. And if you are if you are following the campaign before it launches and and you then um, pledge, uh, you get a free a free add on to your um, to your game, which I guess I can uh, uh, put my camera on e- even if I'm not sure if that's gonna. How do I put my camera on? there? Which is a sticker sheet of uh, of some clay critters from uh, from the game. Oh, yeah. So it's it. It's a. It, it can also be bought as a as an add on um, if you're uh, if you're not following. But if you are following, you get this for free. Nice. You got the cute little bugs there. You know. Yeah. Uh, springtail, red velvet mite, um, Japigid diplurin, ragadiad mite, um, some phylon, and my favorite soil organism, um, pseudoscorpion. Oh, yeah. The absolute goat. What's your favorite, Tim? <laughs> Uh, I I'm an ant lover myself. I'm I'm a I'm an ecologist really. I study um, uh, social insects uh, in particular. So I love the ants. Um, in this game, there's a few different ants. Uh, I like I like all of them, frankly. In real life, I'm uh, I'm really into uh, the big headed ants, the genus Fidole. They're really cool. Um, they have two very distinct casts in their workers, and the uh, the major cast has these absolutely giant heads like that are the size of the rest of their bodies combined. And I just love them. I can't really explain it. I just think they're neat. <laughs> That's awesome. Phil, did you have one that you quite liked? Um, I'm all about the tardigrades. Carnivorous tardigrade. It just sounds like a total beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you had the, there was the grazing tardigrade. That's the boring tardigrade. But then you've got one that's hulked out, the carnivorous tardigrade. That's not grazing. That's going to hunt you down. I was totally going to say, well, I'm still going to say it. I loved the grazing tardigrade because the picture of it is just so cute. It looks, you know, like it just looks like a cute little creature that would be bouncing as it walks or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Little, little pal. We love yeah. them. Yeah. Sort of swimming. Yeah, exactly. It's just adorable. So whatever, you know, I'll take the boring one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other kind of exclusives we're working on some stuff that will be uh, that will be stretch goals. So, in addition to like those like uh, like one-off solo scenarios I mentioned, we're working on a couple of uh, uh, a couple of single-player campaigns where it's like uh, you play you play three rounds through you know sort of a a, a narrative of like a uh, of like human caused um, usually disturbance to uh, to your soil. Um, nice. So like the, the so like you know we, the way I kind of imagine the uh, uh, like the setting of loam is like you're just in kind of like a meadow, just a little plant in a meadow somewhere, um, and one of the campaigns is about like the meadow being turned into a farm field um, and dealing with uh, uh, with like human agricultural practices. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, we're we're working on a couple uh, um, couple new uh, uh, additional like add on components as well. So one thing that we kind of haven't mentioned about uh, about loam is that there's not a uh, uh, there's not a huge amount of like player interaction in the game. Uh, the the inputs that you have, like you know, they just they do things for you. So we're actually working on like an alternate set of inputs that you can use in a multiplayer game that that do um, bring in um, more of a more of an interactive uh, element to the game. 
That's awesome. For, for those who are interested in that. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the things that you're going to bring with this and the cuteness. And oh, man, if an add-on could be like little plushies of these creatures, <laughs> I'd be all for that. Uh, I would love that. That would be so fun. I don't know. That's just fun. I, I do. I make like, like a, uh, I have some little like clay figurines that I make with the oven bake clay. Yeah. Unfortunately, they, they don't uh, they, they don't ship well is the problem. Oh, they're okay. fragile. I was going to say, maybe it could be like a certain pledge level, right? Uh, I know that. Sorry, Tim, I know you've got to go. So we should probably wrap up here. But thank you so much for letting us play the game early here and, and test it out. Or not. I mean, not test it out. This is done. This is great. Uh, it's beautiful. I'm so excited. May 23rd. Everybody go check it out. There will be a link in the episode description. Why don't you... Uh, Let's start with Phil first. Phil, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Um, yeah, I'm Phil. You can find my podcast, Organized Fun, wherever you find podcasts. But I'm British, so it's organized with an S. Thank you for specifying. I would not have, <laughs> not have done that. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, yeah, Tim and Max. Uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter, my uh, professional uh, nerd bug Twitter account where I post about insect stuff is uh, Bug Dr. Tim, Bug Dr. Tim. And then uh, our group Twitter account for board game development and uh, stuff like that is at is at Cardboard Revolt for Cardboard Revolution. That is us. And uh, and yeah, I'm uh, Max Helmberger. You can find me also on Twitter at uh, uh, at Vermivormax. V e r m i v o r m a x. Vermivorax is the uh, species name of a certain kind of mite. It's it's a uh, Latin for worm eater because it eats nematodes. You're not going to believe this, but I did not get that pun until this exact second. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I literally didn't get it until right now. I've known you for several years, and it's been your name for that entire time. That's Pretty cool. glorious. <laughs> um, but you can also find Cardboard Revolution um, on Facebook. I just realized we're also on Facebook and on Instagram, Instagram where I post fun uh, photos of developing projects. Oh, nice. That's really exciting. Thank you again, all three of you, for coming on, for playing it. Uh, you can follow me at Nerd on social media rate review the podcast all that fun stuff that's that's it until next time keep nerding out thank you so much for having us have a good one riley thanks for having us later 